0: You're listening to Zeigler Group's Legal Zeitgeist podcast. The Funds Law podcast series that helps asset management firms re-evaluate and revolutionize their current approach to investment funds law with the latest technology, legal and regulatory compliance insights, and best practices.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Sabir Mustafa, an analyst and legal researcher for Zeidler Group. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Sarah Novell, a senior associate. So today we will be discussing the regulatory changes and its impact on the cross-border distribution and marketing of funds. Sarah, firstly, with so many regulatory changes that's happening, what do clients generally consider before they start marketing of funds in in a specific jurisdiction?
0: So I suppose there are Three main questions that Karen would ask themselves before marketing a product on a cross-border basis. The first one would be, and this is the less costly option, obviously for them, is private placement possible, meaning can I actually market my product somewhere uh, to a certain number of investors or to a certain category of investors without registering it? Or alternatively, is reverse solicitation possible, meaning can I accept reverse solicitations? Then once these options are covered, or if the client wants to expand their marketing in a certain country, the second question would be then cost of registration. Uh, How much does it cost to register a fund initially? And then what are the ongoing costs associated to it? And then from a more general perspective, I suppose, the third question would be, do I need marketing licenses or do I need to appoint a local agent, either in the case of private placement or in the case of registration? These are the first questions. These are just an initial assessment. But then once the fund is registered or once the fund is actually being marketed in the country, it is also important to ask yourself, what do I need to remain compliant? Do I need to do certain reporting to the regulator? Do I need to notify investors of certain information? And so on. At the later stage as well, you probably want to ask yourself, what kind of documents do I need to use? Or can I use can should I put certain disclaimer and do they need to follow a certain format and this type of things.
1: Considering that's a lot of information to be processing for a client and so many jurisdictions that they would be intending to cross-border market, how would they get that information and stay up to date and keep track of such information?
0: Well, the first option obviously is to reach out to local counsels. One disadvantage of that option being that you don't necessarily know someone in the jurisdiction. Uh, Obviously, this can be overcome with the Internet and, you know, list of famous legal counsel and so on. But you don't necessarily have a personal contact. You can always find recommendation, but it's always a bit of a, you know, try and, and see how it works. The second option is obviously internal research, but it takes time. It is less costly, but it takes a lot of time. And then that is only for the initial part, the initial assessment. After that, it can become quickly unpracticable as the marketing strategy grows up and become broader and covers more and more jurisdiction. But also once you've done the original research, how you want to update it and keep track of any change in those jurisdictions where you have actually marketed your fund. That's The first issue from a compliance perspective, but then you also have the question of transmitting that information to your sales team. The sales team are rarely legal people. They rarely have a legal background. That means they speak a different language. We all know lawyers can be very technical and legalistic in in the way they speak. They use a lot of jargon. So you usually want to kind of pre-digest the information or at least put it in some words that are easily understandable by all. This takes time and requires a lot of work to make sure that everyone can actually understand the information and that there is no confusion between your departments.
1: So considering that so much information for a client to process and to be free of any legal jargon, let's say for the client's team, whether it's compliance, marketing, sales team, what tools are available so that the whole process of cross-border marketing of funds becomes easier for them?
0: One thing that is available to clients, obviously, and there are quite a few of them out there, is online platforms. So they usually have very detailed content, they are regularly updated, and they are great tools, to be honest. But as you mentioned, they often also use legal jargon. So they will require some work on your side, on the compliance team side, to translate or put it in a palatable way for the marketing team so that it can be used by both sides of, of, of the team. But on the other hand, and this is something that is much more user-friendly. We see the development of country manuals or list of do's and don'ts. And these are typically directly used by the sales team. It's something they can re- easily refer to and check. I'm in this country. I want to do this activity. Is it possible? Yes, no. The issue with these kind of manuals or lists is that they need to be updated And they may not answer all your queries either because they are drafted in a format, which is so standardized that it might leave out some specific issue that may raise or may come up in a jurisdiction. So you always have this conflict between content and form. Do you want something that is easily understandable, easily usable or directly usable? Or do you want something that is very precise and regularly updated? So as you mentioned, there's always this conflict between uh, the content and the form to, if you want something very precise and always updated or something very easily understandable. And that is something that we wanted to address at Zeigler, We created a tool that provides both a complete information uh, but also comparable and understandable. And besides addressing these issues, the tool also provides templates and it provides information on marketing materials. Linking back to the question, what kind of information or what kind of document can I provide in the jurisdiction? The service is there, the platform is there, and you can provide an added value also because the compliance team could review their marketing material in-house. Obviously, a legal counsel would always have additional experience uh, that they can when reviewing a marketing material, but it can be used as a first level analysis, and it's always one step towards compliance, even if it cannot sign off for compliance of marketing documents.
1: That's wonderful, Sarah. Considering that there are so many jurisdictions, it's almost impossible for a client to keep track and to process such legal information to their respective non-legal sector teams uh, within the client's company. How does Zydler maintain such a system and stay ahead of the market with all such information?
0: As you mentioned internally, it's very hard for a client to monitor all those all those changes. It might be feasible for one, two, three, maybe four jurisdictions, but over that, it becomes very difficult. There are tools available up there in the market just to track changes, and this is something that we at Cyber use as well. But on top of that, we have a network of local cancers that we have built over the year, and with whom we have now a steady relationship that also are available for particular question that we may have and may answer more specific queries. On top of that, we have dedicated resources, you and myself being part of that team. So it's a hard work that we do internally, but that we can, I suppose, scale up uh, for clients as well, that we can take off their shoulders. Um, in time of changes, especially uh, significant changes like Brexit, like which happened, a few, well, now a few years actually ago, or the cross-border distribution directive that just came into force, it can still be very unclear and confusing, even for us, although it's our bread and butter. We do see queries from clients coming up very generic, such as, you know, what does it cover? What does this change impact? To very specific queries, such as, I have a fund manager in a country A, and a fund from a country B, and how does the change in country C affects me? All these changes, while they can be unclear, as much as possible, we will provide an answer which is helpful to the client, and that can actually assist them on a practical basis. And if the answer is, it is still unclear, at least we can tell them it is still unclear. From our experience, this is probably the expectation, but it, we cannot be sure of it, and we'll keep you informed, and we keep tracking the update until it becomes clear and certain what the change will be. One example I'm thinking about is when Brexit happened. We received a very specific query about the registration status of an EEA managed by a UK firm. You know, and so we addressed that very practically. Yes, no, what the registration status of your fund is of your manager is, um, but then we received much simpler question. And sometimes, you know, it's not even about change, it's questions such as, okay, I had an A V error, how do I report that kind of error? And you know, it's something so specific that typically you would not have covered that at your initial assessment of how do I register or how do I mention your registration in the country. And this is the kind of query that we also deal with and that we are also there to assess with. So it's all covered by either the content of the tool or by the support team that is always available to client and that will provide an answer to your question. So in cases like now, where we are in terms of certain changes, the question, how do I act? How do I handle transition? Is always a bit tricky. And this is another thing that we can have an advice on and that we can support through the change until the transition actually happened.
1: That's great to know, Sarah. Thank you for that. So to sum up, you can say that the uncertainty created by the varying legal and regulatory requirements in so many jurisdictions can be overcome with the use of technology and how this technology can bridge the gap between legal and non-legal sectors. Take, for example, the marketing registration or the sales team. So that's where the Zeidler tool comes come up as a one-stop shop for all aspects of cross-border services, whether it's pre- and post-registration of the fund, and the tool is completely user friendly uh, and you have a dedicated team to look after the content on this tool and to stay ahead of the market. Would you add anything else on this,
0: Sarah? It's it's a matter of, of I suppose, allocating your resources, whether you want to do this in-house, uh, outsource that. You want to sometimes save on costs, but then you lose either on the quality of the content or on the form of the content. So as you called it, one-stop-shop solution uh, sometimes might be a good alternative um, to be considered, obviously, with your finance department but certainly something that you should be thinking about.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you everyone, for listening. And I hope this was informative. Stay tuned for any further updates only on Zidler. Thank you.
0: You reached the end of another episode of the Legal Zeitgeist podcast. Connect with us at zeidler.group to subscribe. Thank you for listening. The Legal Zeitgeist podcast is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. Professional legal advice should be obtained before taking or refraining from any action as a result of the contents of this podcast. All rights reserved.